Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. At Indie Booksource, you can shop by genre or by author, and you will be buying direct from the author's main purchase link. We offer hundreds of titles in formats that include ebooks, paperback, hardbound, and audiobook. Support an indie author. Visit IndieBooksource.com today. Welcome to Meet the Author, where you can join in on insightful conversations with best-selling and award-winning indie-published authors. Your hosts today are Rob and Joan, who themselves are indie-published authors, book publicists, and paranormal investigators with Tampa Bay Spirits, based in Tampa Bay, Florida. Thanks for dropping by. And now, on with the show. Hi there, I'm Rob. And I'm Joan. We're really glad that you're here, whether you're watching this pre-recorded show, and yes, this is a pre-recorded show, I'll repeat it later in the show in case people join us later on, or if you're listening to the podcast, we're really happy that you chose to listen to Meet the Author podcast. We have a really great author today that I'm sure you will be happy to meet, and you want to buy all his books. That's right, and you want to be sure to, uh, we want to remind everybody that's watching on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook, even if you can't see other comments, go ahead and comment, and uh, we'll catch up with you on the comments uh, later. Yeah. But uh, feel we, free to do that. Yeah, we need to remind you that if you're not in the same room as they are, like if you're not in Meet the Author Podcast YouTube and you're in LinkedIn, you're not going to see what the people right. in Meet the Author Podcast are doing. Think of them as like chat rooms different chat rooms or am I dating right. myself too much? <laughs> so, But LinkedIn doesn't even show you the comments, other people's comments ever. So even if you're in the same LinkedIn one, yeah, you're not going to see the other people's comments. So. But we can see it and we'll put your comments up right. on the screen. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Meet the Author podcast, like and make comments. And even though this is a pre-recorded uh, episode, this is a live um, book giveaway. So when the book giveaway comes up at, uh, after the commercials, uh, go ahead and enter that book giveaway. If you're watching this, uh, this live start typing really fast. There once you, you go. say you can, there you go. So I guess without much further ado, mm -hmm. we should bring in our uh, guest, none other than author A G Fletcher. Hey guys. Hey. Hi, welcome to the show. We're glad that you're here. Happy to be here. Good. 
So you write under the pen name of A.G. Flitcher, but your actual name is Andre, Andre Gress, correct? Yeah. yeah, that's right. You want to tell people a little bit about yourself, where you live, how you got started writing, that sort of thing? Sure. We'll tell them about your job, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my day job, or at least the one that makes most of my income, uh, is maintenance and trade worker at the Greater Vancouver Zoo in BC, Canada. Isn't um, that this... incredible, you guys? I mean, come on. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Zoo. we're not just, you know, maintaining things. We're also creating new things, too. So let's say uh, we get a new animal after a previous animal um, occupied a certain space. We would actually start revamping that, that enclosure. So, for example, we used to have uh, baboons. And then uh, snow leopards took over their enclosure. So because they're such good climbers, we actually had to remove the top five feet of uh, chain link and put a custom-made uh, steel um, slip pad so that if they ever attempt to try and get out, they'll just slip and fall. And then on top of that, we uh, redid all of the hot wire. We have like four levels of them to make sure that any attempt they make, they won't get that high. We even had to add um, hot wire webbing on all the corners so that if they try to reach the public, they won't be able to. Good. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that, that's reassuring. <laughs> yeah. So that project took a long time and it was a very muddy job too because in BC, it rains all the time. So mm -hmm. especially during like late winter, spring, um, we couldn't bring any like backhoe or any heavy machinery in there. So everything had to be done either by hand or we put a bunch of plywood everywhere so that we can reach as far as possible. Uh, and so as I've been working there, I've been gaining all these skills never thought I'd have, you know, carpentry, plumbing, pla uh, painting, uh, building fences, building shelters, uh, insulation, all, all this handiwork that I had never lift up a, even a hammer before starting this job. So <laughs> My, my dad was very uh, happy that I stuck with it and continued <laughs> to uh, build my skills for the future when I have my own home. Um, I live in Aldergrove, which is more like the gullies uh, or the countryside of uh, BC. I'm, we're basically the middleman of city versus countryside. Uh, so we're not a big population. I think we're around 20,000 people. Um, as for how I got my writing started. Yeah. That's, that's a bit of a mixed bag because I started as a screenwriter in 2014. And when I saw how competitive it was, I just kind of lost motivation. So I let that be on the back burner. Then I became a personal trainer for a year. And even though fitness was a passion of mine, it wasn't a big enough passion for me to be, a salesman in terms of you know promoting myself as a as a fitness trainer and that's the big part of being a personal trainer you have to always be selling yourself because that's the only way you make money otherwise you're just some guy at a gym cleaning <laughs> all of the equipment um and then i tried or started to write a children's book with a friend of mine but because we had different approaches to not just the art process but also the marketing process and i didn't really know what i was talking about i was like you know what i'd rather let this go get myself properly educated 
and then just do everything on my own and then come back to uh, doing group projects. So I did an associate's degree in creative writing and then transformed that into a bachelor's in creative writing and which I took four classes in poetry. So that's another area of writing that I do besides uh, novels. And I did do research articles for a little while, um, but because I have more of a fiction brain, I <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. like dry writing. I couldn't, I couldn't do it for, I think I did it for like eight months. And I was like, you know what? This is too dry for me. I can't, I can't do just facts. So uh, as for, like where my writing comes from in terms of inspiration is really just life. It's, I'm not a nonfiction writer. I don't write memoirs. I, I love to just create uh, basically parallels of my experiences. So in um, book one of Boone and Shack, my urban fantasy series, which won the uh, literary Titan gold award. Um, I drew a lot of experience from my life. But because I had started to uh, free myself creatively in terms of not being paranoid about what I'm writing and what's my time frame and what should I write about, I just kind of bleh, just just wrote it. So, yeah, I think that kind of sums it up. All righty. So here's your first book. You just mentioned mm -hmm. it, Boone and Jacques. Mm -hmm. We don't have the Saddleton updated one with the, with the award on it, but uh, no. that's just <laughs> a sticker. <laughs> yeah. Ah, stickers. <laughs> All right. So you want to give us a little uh, synopsis of that book without giving anything away? Sure. So uh, Boone and Jacques is essentially um, two nosy kids that went a little too deep into the magical history of their town, Saddleton. So uh, essentially what happens is at the beginning, they discover this uh, underground bunker in Boone's backyard. And they see all this strange writing around them. And they have no idea what it means or what it could lead to. And as they dig deeper and deeper, these um, old nemesis and people that were involved in the previous part of, of the town start mm -hmm. resurf start resurfacing. And uh, it just kind of spirals from there with uh, magical beings that kind of, you know, rested below ground and in these different dimensions and stuff. And because they're children, around 10, I think, um, the adults don't take them seriously. Kind of like a series of unfortunate events. That's kind of where I drew the inspiration in terms of uh, having to rely on your own wit, uh, where adults just don't care, at least in this universe, where they're all so self-involved and they're trying to uh, just go after their own um, desires and disregarding what the kids want. So that's kind. That's basically the first book. And second book, the only thing I'll tell... Uh, the listeners here is that they're not in town anymore. Okay, so this is the second one, right? Boone and Jacques, yeah. the brothers' odyssey. So, yes. are Boone and Jacques brothers? Uh, <laughs> they, they appear that way, but no. Uh, the okay. brothers part of the title is in reference to uh, two kings, two magical kings that are fighting each other. And um, Boone and Jack seeing each other as brothers, but they're actually just best friends. 
Okay. That sounds good. And then you want to talk about your third one also? Uh, third one, they go back into town. And uh, as you can tell by the cover, it's not the same style as the artist who did the first two. Mm -hmm. um, that's, this cover was done by James Lillick. Okay. And uh, the first two were done by Bristol Middleton. Okay. But as, as for the storyline that I can vaguely tell you in Settleton Haunting, uh, essentially, it's kind of like a new chapter of history kind of being repeated from the first one, where power is still within people's interest within, in terms of like the inner circle of rich people. And um, Boone, Jack, and Shammy, who was in the first book, so I can say that, um, the three of them are all separated, but I'm not going to tell you where they are. Uh, and they have to kind of find each other again and resolve all of the greed and power and chaos that has resurfaced again in uh, Saddleton. All right. So for those people that are listening to the podcast and not watching, you know, the live broadcast, um, why don't you describe Boone and Jacques Saddleton's secret what the cover looks like and then you can tell us the name of the uh, artist who did that for you sure so um in the cover for book one there is a wolf head in the upper left corner which oh, okay. is a representation of king reeve one of his uh one of his physical transformations and then there's more of a feverish dream kind of uh emerald um background and then title at the top subtitle secondary and then my name uh underneath it right in the middle of the book and then at the bottom of the book or second half there is boone who's eating a chocolate bar <laughs> <laughs> and jacques who's wearing a chocolate peacoat and uh holding a notebook with a pen now, now it's just chocolate though <laughs> no, no, no. no he's chocolate eating, colored. The other one is eating the chocolate bar, but the other <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he he's not going to eat his own shirt. <laughs> no, that's good. Mm, yum. Mm. Tastes, <laughs> tastes like leather. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is that this artist, uh, Bristol Middleton, mm -hmm. um, she's more of a concept artist, but because she, I really trusted her and her style, I gave her a shot. This was her. Um, second cover that she did for me actually i actually have two previous books that no one knows about because it's under my legal name uh entree grass um so I'll, I'll mention that in a second but just to clarify for the image here if you're listening um jacques coat is actually just an accent that the artist added so he doesn't actually wear that kind of stuff in book one because in uh -huh. book one i focus on their childhood Jacques wears more like clothes from a clothing bank, even though he is fostered by a, a rich British family. So when you look at this cover, it looks like, you know, he's well put together, rather, rather sophisticated. But that was just to accent his uh, intellectual persona and a very mm -hmm. studious uh, mentality. Very As good. for Boone, uh, for his wardrobe. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. 
At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I really made sure that he had holes in his shirt because <laughs> even though he is a uh, middle-class um, citizen in a middle-class family, uh, they live as if they're lower class. So he gets like one or two shirts a year. And it's kind of like a Christmas gift thing where he gets one form of clothing every uh, Christmas. Wow. You're going to a lot of detail yeah, about their very, lives and who they, yeah, that's really good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second one is this one. Uh, that's oh, a very me- messy one to describe, <laughs> but I can do it. I can do it. Okay. So um, this is basically a mishmash of images that you see throughout the book. So at the top, you see all these lightning bolts surrounding a tsunami right above a wolf head. The lightning bolts and tsunami are a reference to what happens later in the book. So if you want to know what that is, you'll have to read it. Um, As for what's coming out of (laughs) the wolf's uh, mouth, um, this is not a wolf. This is a, a dark king that was cursed by his father. And one of the parts of his uh, nightmarish look is that he has six tongues. And that's what the whole mess you see there. Gotcha. Um, those, uh, you, you see these sort of, looks like a, a peacock pattern uh, around the tongues. Right. That's essentially um, these uh, images that Boone and Jacques and Shami see in certain locations of uh, the landscape that they're in. So there's a lot of uh, vivid imagery that uh, when I got the award here, okay, yep. um, they said that it was far more, it was even more uh, evolved in, in terms of imagery. So that's why I really implore you to read along as best you can, because um, my writing tends to be very detail-oriented and fast-paced. Not that I don't give any breathing room. It's more that because of my my screenwriting background, uh, I tend to be very uh, action-driven with the layer of emotion. And then uh, at the bottom of uh, the cover is just the writing, the title, subtitle, and then my name at the very bottom. 
So just to repeat, this is the, the it's Boone and Jacques, the brother's odyssey. So yeah, you know what we just described. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. And then one last one. And this is yep. from a different artist mm -hmm. now. Yes. The artist name is James Lilick. Uh, that, that's the first uh, American um, art artist I worked with. Okay. And... Uh, so this was this was a hard choice in terms of what I wanted to present on the front cover. So for the front cover, it's a very different, not just uh, energy, but the placement as well. So for the placement, we have title, subtitle at the top, and then my name at the bottom with a galactic background. And this is kind of hard to see, but it's actually a zombified version of the wolf. So you can probably kind of see the fangs there. Uh, and then there's this um, emerald spirit yeah. glowing, glowing through his chest that yeah. is essentially foreshadowing what could be happening to this uh, creature here with uh, this uh, amberish uh, color uh, that's making it look like he's um, about to decay. Okay, so that's Boone and Jacques Saddleton Haunting. Yeah, that you just described. So there we go. So uh, do you have another one coming up that you're working on? Uh, yeah, I'm doing two more books for Boon and Jack. Ooh, two Good. more. Do you know so, when you're... Um, I'm going to clock in at 70,000 words today for book four. Oh, won't be long. Um, no, I'm, I'm uh, aiming for 80,000 for the first draft and mm -hmm. then fattening it up to maybe 85, 90. Because uh, I saw there's... I'm, like I said, I'm very detail oriented. So the first draft is always just idea, some detail, and then expand later. Because um, people always ask me, how do I write so fast? Because I write 4,000 words a week while working a full-time job. <laughs> um, they're like, do, do you don't slow down? I'm like, well, the thing about writing your first draft is not thinking. It's just writing whatever comes to mind, and then you can fix it later. Uh, if you if you focus so much on the execution of what you're doing, that's what creates the well, it's, it's a myth, but uh, writer's block. People think that writer's block is a real thing. It's not. It's just something we put in our heads to uh, block the idea of anxiety or anticipation for what we're writing. So, yeah, um, I was going to do a book six, but when I was thinking of book five and uh, how close I am to closing the character arcs, I thought book five was sufficient enough with an addition of um, what happened in the aftermath of the main story so that I can close it properly without exhausting myself and uh, stretching it too thin. That's why I didn't want to do book six. I don't like stretching stories thin when it's unnecessary. Um, so... Once that series is done, I have like 10 books, 10 standalone books that I've already started planning on uh, on writing. Wow. So, cool. um, so do you follow the hero's journey? Yes. Uh, when I studied that during university, um, I, I didn't know about that, obviously, before I was educating myself. But in terms of like following it step by step, I try not to. I like mm -hmm. to mix it up because mm -hmm. when I write, <laughs> I don't do this anymore, actually. Before, I used to have all of these little pieces of paper with 
push pins on it on a, on a bulletin board behind me and follow uh, my storyline. But what I, what I realize is that that boxes me into one storyline that I've written by hand where I could just write the storyline that I want first, then uh, put it up behind me and then start, you know, shifting things around if I, if need be. Okay. So let me ask you this. And it sounded to me like when you were speaking that you did follow the, mm -hmm. the hero's journey. That's, that's how it seemed that you were writing. Yeah. Um, so do you, yeah, have you heard the expression of pantser or planter? <laughs> no. Okay. So the pantser is the person who flies by the seat of their pants as they're writing, you know, they're writing and they let the story or the mm -hmm. characters take them where the story and the characters want to go. And the planter is of course a person who follows an outline, a strict outline you know, yeah. a strict mm -hmm. outline. And then um, there are some people who also have to know the ending before they can write the beginning and the middle. So just to give you an idea of how different authors operate, where do you think you fall in in, in all of that? Probably the pantser, like you said, just kind of on the fly. Yeah. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. I do get to a point where if I'm close to the end, I kind of know where it's leading to. Yes. But yeah. I don't like um, spoiling it for myself. Right. And um, also, we have a friend, an author, a very prolific author, as it, who is uh, Caleb Pirtle. And he actually said something that helped me with writer's block when I get stuck and I can't move forward. And um, he said that what I was trying to do was make the characters do something they really wouldn't want to do. Mm -hmm. And that was right. That makes sense. That made sense to me, and it was right. I was trying to make the character do something that the character didn't want to do, which, as an author, you understand what I mean by <laughs> where yeah. the characters want to go and where the story wants to go <laughs> mm -hmm. is not necessarily where you were thinking it was going to go if you're yeah. a panther, because you it mm -hmm. it's going to flow. It's going to change. So, yeah. Yeah, because, like, when you... I mean, especially if you're writing something like a, a fantasy or a mystery novel, planning it out, it's it's okay for like knowing like plot points. Yeah. But if you're like this person is the murderer, it's like, well, now I know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Then then I have to make it about them. Like in book four that I'm working on, it is revolved around a murder mystery. But the murder mysteries that I've read, read like by Agatha Christie, uh, I realized that because there's always like everyone's involved kind of thing it, it's kind of like the formula is easy to see so what i did for for uh for book four is that although it is the uh the focal point of the story it doesn't take up actually much space like it, it, there is a lot of mystery and and i kind of uh have everyone involved but because boone and shack are the focus I let this uh, this focus be kind of in the background, which is very, um, <laughs> to some authors, counterintuitive because it's like, well, that, that's the whole point. Why, why are you stepping away from that? It's like, well, everyone has read a mystery novel, so why not include other things around it to make it seem like a bigger scale as opposed to just this murder? So 
Um, I've been writing this book since November. Yeah. I mean, it was very slow going at first. I was really like nervous about <laughs> what book four is going to be because book three, even though I did tease a bit book four at the end, uh, there was no telling what book four was going to be and how big it was going to be and if I even had enough material. But once I started, you know, going through things and really asking myself, what does this book mean to me? What does this mean for Boone and Jack in terms of their character development? Is there anywhere for them to grow? I said asking all these questions because that was that's always the big worry for a writer is should I write another book on this this uh, series? Because right. maybe there's nowhere for them to go. Right. But right. Right. When I started to get deeper into the story and started asking myself questions about the the characters, it was much easier to write. Because mm -hmm. when you when you free yourself from the anxiety of what else is there to say, it becomes uh, much easier because then you can answer your own questions. And I have one more question to, before commercials. Before commercials okay. that, and so um, you had told us at the beginning of the interview mm -hmm. that you know you had had various jobs before you started writing novels, and um, you know things that you weren't satisfied satisfied in it wasn't wasn't your passion so yeah. what i wanted to know is have you found your passion is writing your passion is this it for you oh for sure um when i when i was uh put as a finalist for the ozma award uh done by uh chanticleer reviews i was surprised because i submitted my entire series in september didn't hear anything until like this month and they say, congratulations, you're a finalist for a fantasy series. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and we were only we're only two people uh, that are in the finals. So it was not just surprised, but very motivated to keep going. Because that's why sure. my motivation was up and down. Because my books were collecting dust for like two years. And then all of this, you know, exposure and these awards coming in, uh, reignited that flame so that's why my passion for writing has continued to grow um every year really yeah cool good cool. well i think it's time that we need to break for a word from a our word sponsors. from our sponsor <laughs> that sounds so weird doesn't it okay two sponsors, two sponsors but there are sponsors so yeah. here we go we'll when we come back we will uh, have the book giveaway and talk some more with uh andre okay so everyone sit tight Many secrets are hidden within the darkness of the jungle. Behold, this one about a man, a woman, a black jaguar, and an ancient Maya legend. Two Faces of the Jaguar is a novel by George Dismukes that will take you deep into the jungle and capture your imagination until the last word. Two Faces of the Jaguar is book one of a trilogy. Two Faces of the Jaguar, where only the adventurous dare to read. Two Faces of the Jaguar, The Lost City, and The Jaguar's Quest are available on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and many other bookseller websites. Two Faces of the Jaguar, the book people are talking about. Get your copy today.
People who like to read want to get their hands on books by Becca Jones. Becca Jones, the breakthrough author who tells it like it is. It takes courage to tell a story when it reveals dark secrets. Becca Jones delves deep into the hidden world of sexual abuse. She tells what happened and also tells how she survived. Meant to be is much more than just entertaining. Meant to be gives you a point of reference, hope to cling to, and becomes a guide for survival if you have suffered the same thing. Meant to be, Becca Jones, a must-have. Meant to be is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and many other bookseller websites. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lord, she's still alive. Who's still alive? Maris. That's who. Come on, man. She, that's impossible. Impossible or not, she, she's still alive, I tell you. She killed that boatload of people, and she's just getting started. There's no limit to what she will do. It's not easy to kill a siren. It takes a formula and a plan. Siren Song 2 is the spellbinding sequel to Siren Song. Both novels by George Dismukes. Siren Song 2 will be on bookshelves and bookseller websites in July. Don't miss it. And we're back. Hooray. Hey, time for our book giveaway, everybody. Get your typing fingers ready. And we're going to go ahead and start that. And uh, the first three people to email G-R-E-S-S-A-N-D-R-E-0 at gmail.com will win an ebook copy of Saddleton's Secret. I'll put this up, too. There we go. That's to help you see that email better <laughs> yep once again that's grisandre0 at gmail.com all right get typing people do you want to confirm the other ones or yes we'll go through all here's where of, you can reach him all of the places that you can uh reach andre on facebook you can find him at a.g.fletcher and that's 
A.G.F.L.I.T.C.H.E.R. On Twitter, you can find him at A.G. Flitcher. On YouTube, you can reach him at A.G. Flitcher and be sure to subscribe, to like, and to comment when you visit, okay? We're going to have to do that right after this show. That's right. We're excited to see. You can find him on Instagram at A.G. Flitcher. See, Andre's made this so easy. Very easy easy for everybody (laughs) to find him. So go ahead and get on there and follow him, everybody. Consistency is key, right? (laughs) You know, it's very important, actually. (laughs) It really is. Mm -hmm. You can lose people by not being consistent. So. That's very, very and we're good not thing consistent. And we're so not consistent, so I'm sure we've do lost as a lot we of say, not as we do. <laughs> I'd like to go back and recreate them all, but already there's too many there to change. So. Yeah, we're on YouTube as Meet the Author podcast. We have two websites: Indie Bookstores, yeah. Carter and CarterNovels.com. I used to have a podcast actually. Oh, did, did you really? What yeah, I just your podcast about. Uh, well, the the name is Awkward Howler podcast. Um, I on honestly, I stopped because it's just, I didn't have the money to to do this the um, the premium package of uh, SoundCloud, where you can just have unlimited um, time for your podcast. Uh-huh. So I just did the three hours, and then whenever uh, a certain episode didn't get enough attention, I just scrapped it and did a new one. So. Uh, but that was a long time ago. I used to talk about movies. I talked about the show uh, "How I Met Your Mother," and my my. Oh, my yeah. uh, it was a while back. Yeah, it was a while back. <laughs> yeah, so it was just something I tried for fun, just to see how it went. Um, I might do it again someday once I organize myself a little better, because uh, I like to talk. I like to tell stories, and once I started doing that, the series I told you about, um, stories with A.G. Flitcher. I, I saw the potential for eventually turning that into a podcast. Um, for those people where we can find that stories with AJ yeah. Fletcher. So stories with AJ Fletcher you can find on YouTube at uh, AJ Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I started doing that this year after a uh, one hour free session I did with Melody Owen, uh, who is the um, I guess president of uh, Author Nation in in BC. She was the first person to interview me when I was uh, becoming an author. And uh, once she started doing this show, I, she started offering services. And so I asked her, what can I do to promote myself? And she said, you should talk about stories behind your writing. So I was obviously, uh, actually, I wasn't that awkward. I thought I was awkward, but I'm not that awkward on camera because I did take uh, two months of uh, acting classes so I learned how to ground myself and then just be relaxed and just say what I have to say. So um, the first story I did that I can um, tell your listeners is uh, the the passing of my mother. Oh, yeah, that I'm happened. Sorry to, to hear that. It's okay. It's, life is growing around the scar, so I'm I'm okay now. Um, it's been seven years. And that was probably the toughest year, not just because of her, but because there was this domino effect. I had three funerals in six months Ooh, to go wow. to. Oh, that's yeah. tough. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it was her in um, February 23rd. That's when she passed away. And I had, I had two days off work and then one day off for, for uh, the funeral. Because um, unlike my father, uh, I'm a very open and uh, emotional person in terms of transparency. So it was important to me that I grieve in a healthy way where him and my sister they busied themselves i couldn't do that i was like i wasn't going to explode if i do that so i really made sure that not only did i do a lot of self-reflection but talk to people and uh make different choices and then when i go see my mom i talk to her and because talking and expressing your your pain is really important especially at the beginning um when I was working at the Olive Garden, there is there was this manager that told me that uh, when her father passed away, she didn't deal with it, and it messed her up years later. So I didn't want that to happen to me, regardless of what my family thinks of me. I don't care if they think that I'm a, you know, very um, emotional person. I'm I'm I love who I am. So anyway, um, I I think the video was like close to twenty minutes when I talked about that because the day that she passed away was a whirlwind to me because uh, first off I had a one and a half hour shift, the sh shortest one I've ever did. So because she was in the hospital for two months, it was routine for us to see her every day. So um, my sister texted me very scrambly, a lot of spelling mistakes. She's like, get here now. So I get to the hospital. I see uh, family friends in the lobby and they all looked very broken. I didn't really understand why because no one told me anything yet. And so I took the elevator, went up the third floor, opened the door to the patient room and my dad says that she passed away. And it was the first time that I saw my dad cry. Uh, he had always been a very stoic and uh, very pres uh, uh, reserved person. I got used to it, obviously, um, but I won't say any more because I say all of that in the video. So I would very much like for people to watch it. And actually today, because it's in the same year, I talked about my grandma's uh, passing because uh, when my mother passed away, we wanted to see our family in Cairo, Egypt, which is where most of our relatives are um, in the heat of the moment. So I think four months after usually we go around summertime um we went to go visit her family so within the first morning of our visit we went to go see uh, our grandma and she was 94 at the time and because of her greek heritage um when she was close to the end of her life she actually started calling for her mother in greek which was insane to our family because she hadn't spoken Greek in years, decades, actually. So I mentioned the whole story of how that went and I actually got a lot of it wrong because my memory was fuzzy. So I wrote in the description um, the corrections that my dad told me about because I told him about the video and he was actually pretty excited for me because he, he likes that story too. So he told me about the things that uh, I got wrong and I was okay with it. That's one thing I learned to do in life is be okay with being wrong. Um, and then I think towards September, 
my sister's godmother's husband passed away. Um, that was less of a sting for me because I didn't really have a close relationship with him. I mean, we went to the same church for Catholicism, and we did uh, have visits with them throughout the years in our youth. Uh, but in terms of my personal relationship, it was always kind of distant with him. So, but yeah, it was a real topsy-turvy year. Yeah. Yeah, sounds that, like it. That does Gosh. sound like it. So I'm really sorry. That was a tough year. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. A lot of life and, lessons. Yeah, I mean, our family is very close because yeah. of that kind of stuff. But also... Because like you're for, Greek. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But also because of uh, physical injuries. Um, my father, when I was eight, uh, was T-boned by a garbage truck. Oh, so, okay. yeah, they were both trying to turn into a T-road. And uh, because he has a small truck, he had a small truck, it got crammed underneath um, the side of the truck. Oh, boy. So because he slammed on his brakes really hard and it was such a high impact, he actually had to get um, a stomach, an ab muscle graft onto his foot because his foot got stuck in the brake pedal. Ah. Oh, boy. So he had Ouch. that, and then a steel plate in his uh, other shin and an artificial hip. Yeah. So he can still walk. He can still walk. He is actually, he actually made that choice of either hip fusion or artificial hip. So he's like, well, I'd rather just not run. (laughs) I can walk to work. So uh, my sister had the most injuries from, from all of us because she was a figure skater. Um, So she fell a lot. Um, I actually, I'm going to be writing a story based on my experiences with her, a brother sister story in the future, because um, I had to take care of her for a little while when she had uh, two back surgeries and one knee surgery. So when she had her back surgeries, it was due to falling on her tailbone too much and started compressing her spine and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So there were, there were nights where I had to wash her hair, help her get into bed. Um, she was supposed to take care of the neighbor's dog, but she couldn't. So I did that for her for three weeks. I, um, I also helped her with her knee surgery by helping her, you know, kind of dress herself and kind of things. So that's, that's what really bonded us is me taking care of her. My, my, um, I used to do martial arts. So my karate instructor, when I told him that he said, you're a really good brother. I would have left her to her own devices. I'm like, why? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she was there's no one else for her to take care of her so yeah doesn't yeah. suck right <laughs> oh boy maybe you needed a different karate different instructor a different <laughs> day so yeah. you're wearing a couple of pins there can you tell us about yeah. your pins that you're okay wearing? so that one is my autism awareness one i wanted to get one that was unique yeah i, I don't know how let me see how close I can. okay there we go so it kind of looks like the Batman or the Superman uh, emblem. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. With the A in the middle. Yes. Okay. And then, oop. Heart is upside down. Okay. <laughs> that one is my LGBTQ plus support pin. Good. Um, because uh, what is revealed later, actually, in the Boone and Jack series, it's not really a spoiler. It's just part of who he is. Uh, Jack is pansexual. Okay. And um, 
that was my first time attempting to expand uh, sexuality in in books. Um, very controversial for <laughs> for uh, for my dad actually because he he and I don't really talk about that stuff. I tried to a couple times, but I'm like, no, no, you're too close minded for me to talk to you. So I just let that go. Is he it's a, Orthodox Catholic or uh, Roman well, Catholic? He's Roman Catholic. I mean, when he was in Egypt, he did attend uh, an Orthodox Catholic church. Yeah. It's not that he's uh, prejudiced or anything towards yeah. uh, LGBTQ. It's just not something he understands. Right. 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 And that's why I don't really judge him for it and don't really talk about it with him because when someone doesn't understand something and they're set on it, there's no reason to discuss with them. Right. Until they ask you questions right. and then you yeah. can explain what asexual is, what pansexual yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are some things I'm still mm -hmm. learning about that community. Like I, I'm still learning about being non-binary and and uh and all that stuff. Like because that that to me is relatively new in terms of uh, how one uh, sees oneself. Yeah. So I don't think that I would um include that in my work, but in book four. I did start uh, including even more characters from that community. So, for example, I have a transgender male person, and uh, Jacques is seeing someone that is uh, a transgendered woman and uh, of color, too. She is half Puerto awesome. Rican, half, uh, I think, Mexican or something. Basically, she has a caramel skin complexion. Uh -huh. So, yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> and I am quite sure that the LGBTQ community will be very happy to read your books. Yeah, no kidding. Right? And to be included. Mm -hmm. in and to your be books. included. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, when I was thinking about uh, Jacques being a foster kid, I was like, let me kind of add layers to this because that's not enough. I mean, everyone's heard of foster children, but no one's ever heard of a foster child that is pansexual or doesn't realize what his sexuality is until later. Um, and even uh, Sham, uh, Shammy, who is uh, Boone's love interest, sort of, in book one, it's like you can see it developing. It's not really there yet. Um, that's that's not really spoiling anything because it's very obvious from the beginning. Uh, but anyway, when she uh, reaches her teen years, she realizes that she's bisexual. Um, but... I don't really show that side of her really in terms of, well, I mean like this much <laughs> because I, I didn't want her, um, her entire character arc to overshadow Boone and Jacques. I wanted to show enough that she has value in the story and that she is part of Boone in terms of his character arc and the whole two souls make one kind of thing. Interesting. Interesting. That's yeah. really good. Right? Yeah. I think it's, I think so. I like it. <clears throat> I like inclusion. Mm -hmm. Inclusion of mm -hmm. everybody. everybody. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> counts. Mm -hmm. Everybody's. And actually, uh, one small addition here. I'm not going to say who. It is okay. a character that already exists in the series. But in book four, there is a nonverbal autistic person. Very okay. good. Cool. I, I did. I talked to the same parent that has children with autism, uh, to further understand this uh, part of the spectrum, 
and she said that although they do use sign language, it's only for function, meaning they're not really sophisticated in uh, ASL. Yeah. Um, so I made sure that when I do revision, that I won't make it so fluid. That'll just be like help. Like that's what the t the parent was saying is that it's basically when they need help for something or the a basic uh, need that they right. want. Because right. the thing about they're hungry, um, they're tired, they're thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. But did, she did say something that was very interesting to me about being nonverbal is that they actually choose not to talk, meaning they don't practice speech. So although there is therapy and, and all these devices at their disposal to use to be able to speak, they choose not to because they'd rather uh, only get their way through their own um, limitations. Right. It's easier to receive help when you're limited because they, people feel like they have to help you as much as possible, right? Right. Right. Yep. So well, yeah. we're having a little bit of transmission problem here, it looks but like. Not but much. Though. Not much. We're still hearing everything, and every once in a while you freeze up a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any words of wisdom you would uh, want to share with the audience uh, as far as uh, like? if they're trying to get started writing books uh be patient really yeah, <laughs> because <seems> the running theme <laughs> well i mean the thing about being a writer especially now is that unlike someone like stephen king in his time you would just submit a manuscript to publishers and it's a yes or no and mm -hmm. then over time you start working on your uh marketing where now and i learned this in the university actually the, the media part of promoting yourself is so fragmented and broken that it is nearly impossible to start right away with a big audience. Absolutely. Basically, you're by yourself for a number of years trying to mm -hmm. not just um, find your, your, your uh, target audience and who you are as a writer, but also how do you get yourself out there? Like, I've been promoting this series since 2019. And uh, it did not get any attention at all for two years. It was basically collecting dust. Um, but because I saw the potential in this and people telling me the potential of the series, I just kept going. So that's why it's important to understand that you won't know when you'll succeed. And, and right. even if you start selling books, how much you'll be making consistently. Right. Um, my uh, business of writing teacher uh, used to tell us that you have to be accepting of the fact that you might not make any money. You might just be doing it as a side thing. That's right. And right. that's why <laughs> I really stopped talking about this with my dad because he's always like, but Andrew's spending thousands of dollars with your editors and blah, 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 but you're not making anything back. I'm like, I don't care about the money. I care about the craft and the passion and what I get to say and what I'm learning through life, through my own books that's and how I can, how I can pass that on to, to my readers. That's right. Yeah. And that's why you write, you yeah. write because you have to write. Right. And nobody mm -hmm. should go into this thinking they're going to make no <laughs> a lot of money. You'd be very disappointed that they're going to be the next Stephen King yeah. because yeah. things oh. are different now. Mm -hmm. And unless you're a celebrity and you have, a story to tell mm -hmm. you are not going to get 
you're not going to get right. that. But it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't discourage anyone. Absolutely not. not. Yeah. You should write no. because you want to write. And, yeah. You know, you want to entertain people. And in the meantime, network as much as you can yes. with other yeah. people, other authors, and, mm -hmm. and get out there. Keep keep your name out there and keep your books out there yeah. on a regular my, uh, basis, you know. My business of writing teacher used to tell us a story of the author who wrote um, The Martian. Um, when he first started writing that book, it was just on a blog site where he would just write it chapter by chapter. And his fans would be these, like, actual uh astronomers or or scientists that would correct his his uh his terminology and how he wrote his scenes in terms of uh being on a different planet and how things should work or not work and so he would actually take that feedback rewrite it and then they would be happy with it and then they started saying well can you put it into one file like an e-file or something so he does that and then like well Put it on Amazon. It's easier for me to read them by Kindle. So he sold it for like a dollar on 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 Amazon, and then it just kind of blew up from there because he had already built over like seven years of, of work. Base. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, by chance, uh, a film director uh, saw his book and said, "I want to make your book a movie." There so it's really it's really about being in in the right place at the right time. Definitely, definitely but he also and, had mentors that patience, set him like down the right the road yeah. you know yeah. that's amazing that's that's really awesome that right. they were interested yeah. in my uh this teacher he he's rightfully a hippie meaning <laughs> he had a very open space that he liked to talk about so when he was explaining this journey that you go through he actually had us uh make this huge like powwow circle um and move the tables to the side and he took this ball of yarn and started making this spiral in the classroom yeah and saying this is your journey yeah. you'll have a lot of dark years here then as your um pace like in terms of attention you get gets longer that's where your attention starts to grow so it starts in this very like dark space that no one sees but you meaning like when I first wrote uh, Unforgiven 1 and 2, which was my first two books, um, no one knew about those books. I And I didn't expect them to because I was a nobody. And I was okay with that because it was fun to write and I didn't care if I made money or not. But once I started uh, getting gaining life experience and started understanding humanity more and myself more, um, it became more interesting to write because there's all these different changes in life and mistakes you make and good things you do and learning different perspectives from different experiences. And you just like writing should not be seen as a job. It should be seen as this catalyst that you used for yourself. I, that's why I don't really like reading too much high fantasy it feels extremely convoluted and, and um, the humanity part can tends to be lost in there and all the imagination. So like I started reading Dune and actually got bored because I was like, I don't really care for these characters. So yeah. it's, it's, I mean, of course everyone has their own taste, but 
Oh, definitely. But I'm laughing Mm -hmm. because I read Dune and I did not like it. Our son-in-law read Dune and absolutely loved it. I think our son loves it, loves Mm -hmm. the book. But Mm -hmm. I was like, not for me. But not every book is going to be for everybody, you know. Sure. Nor should it be because no. we're all individuals, and yeah. That's know. like when people like overhype a movie, and then you're like, I don't want to see it. Like, what is what is so good? <laughs> right? Yeah, you don't want to be disappointed because then when yeah. you go and you're expecting this and you get this, you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> don't tell me about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Well, so I will see. We've seen say we've seen yeah. some great movies recently. Yeah, we have. <laughs> One of, you for, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, one of my dreams in the future as a milestone is to be on a talk show like like Jimmy Fallon or or Stephen Colbert or something like that. That that has I actually have that as a pinned tweet on on uh, on Twitter in the hopes that maybe they see it. <laughs> well, you're you're almost there right now. Put yeah. it on your vision board. <laughs> yeah, put it on your vision board for sure. Mm-hmm. You were in our show. Yeah. Yeah. It was really Um, fun. Anyway, we want to thank you for being our guest. You've uh, been very, very interesting, and and you're very well-spoken. We appreciate it. Um, Appreciate you giving your time. Thank you. And everybody, you know where to find him. Look him up. That's right. Get a free ebook. See what he's all about. That's right. What we're going to do is we're going to move you over to the side. Stay there. The outro is going to play and everything. And uh, when we'll meet you, we'll meet you backstage after the show is over. So just hang in there where you're at and uh, we'll see you in a minute here. And boy, that was really good. Well, it it was so interesting. And I got so lost in everything that he said that I forgot what I was going to talk about at the end of the show. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, do you think you need a minute? (laughs) Go ahead. Okay. Want to talk about episode rewind coming up um, this next Saturday after this show airs. It'll be um, Catherine Kerrigan and Lorian Brooks on uh, episode 20 uh, from last year. That's at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time right here in the same place that you're watching this. And uh, next week, next Wednesday live, we'll have uh, episode 54 uh, live from the U.K., uh, author, uh, techno thriller author, uh, Tom Bowles. And God he, bless him. He's, he's actually going to talk to us live from the UK. It's like midnight there. Midnight there. <laughs> so uh, he really wanted to be on live. So I hope everybody will show up Tune and, in. Uh, and see him. He's got a couple of really cool books, it looks like. And he is part of Indie Book Source as well. So, um, did you remember what you wanted to say? No. No? Okay. No. Well, maybe we can catch it next week. Then. <laughs> it's <laughs> write still it down. relevant. <laughs> <laughs> if we remember to write it down. Yeah. So I guess until next time. That's all, folks. Thank you for joining us here on Meet the Author. Make sure you stay up to date with our show by clicking like, follow, and share. And you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and more. See you next time on WLFE-DV.com. You've been listening to WLFE-DV.com, where our shows are your shows.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.